Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here uh, uh, preaching on Christmas uh, Eve day. Uh, Brent had invited me to preach here today. I appreciate the invitation. Um, tonight is the Christmas Eve service. A lot of time and preparation have gone into it. It is probably one of the most beautiful ceremonies that we have uh, services all year long. So please, I would encourage you to come out tonight for our candlelight service. It's just beautiful. I know Brent has put a lot of time and effort into it. So I would encourage you to come back uh, for that. I um, wanted to say, uh, especially thank you, Bree, for the meditation. It was fantastic. It was very emotional just sitting here and listening to you present that. It was just wonderful. So thank you. It's encouraging to see our young people. You saw them as part of the praise uh, band this morning. Uh, this is the leaders of our church as we move forward, and we're so, so encouraged. I'm so excited to see uh, the young people taking a step up and doing these things. It's just, it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, I, you know, I wanted to start off by saying to you, uh, I kind of want to apologize. I have not been in a church a lot lately. Um, I've been preaching. You might have noticed that I have been absent as the praise band uh, plays here on Sunday mornings. Um, I've been invited to preach at different places. I've, I've been preaching at a UCC church in Myersdale a lot lately. A couple of weeks ago, I got uh, invited to preach at um, a Mennonite church. And in a few weeks, I'll be preaching at a Methodist church. So I've just had invitations to preach, and I decided to, to seize upon those. I miss you. I, I'm sorry that I've been away, um, but it's just been an opportunity for me to preach, and I just uh, really appreciate that. I continue to, to minister at the jail. That's sort of where my ministry has been focused for now over 12 years. I go to the jail sometimes uh, twice a week, uh, usually just once a week, but I hold Bible studies there. And uh, that's just, just a... A big part of my life, uh, that ministry there. Uh, many of you don't know that, but we have an evangelist at the jail. Uh, you may know him as Trooper Matt Costilla. Um, I consider him sort of my evangelist. You know, he's out there uh, knocking on doors with his boot and, and inviting people to Bible study, bringing them in. Matt's not with us today. Bringing them in to Bible study. Uh, he's so excited about our Thursday night Bible studies at the jail. And uh, if they don't have a ride, no problem. He gives them a ride in the back of his vehicle, gets them down there, signs them up for church. Uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful thing there. But no, I, I'll joke aside, it, it is a big part of my, my ministry, my life. I go to Twin Lakes Drug Rehab and also do Bible studies there as well. So if that's, if that's why you have not seen me up here for a while, I haven't been sleeping in. I've been uh, busy preaching. And so I just wanted to make that uh, clear to you. So our reading today, our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 2. It's not going to be up on the slide today, by the way, the reading. Uh, Old school, you have to either find it in your own Bible if you brought one, or in the pew, uh, you should find a Bible, though you can use an app on your phone if you have that. So find Matthew chapter 2, some of you still may remember how to find books of the Bible, it's just been a while. Matthew is the first, God, the first book of the uh, New Testament, and chapter 2, of course, follows chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. So this is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 2, and beginning with, the, with verse 1, hear these words of our Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star, star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him back, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Um, let me get this up here running. Yeah. If I did shake, there we go, okay. Um, Some of you might remember the name Chuck Colson. He died in 2012. Uh, He was, as he described, he was Richard Nixon's hatchet man during the Watergate scandal. He was named as one of the Watergate Seven. Uh, and he was uh, found guilty on some federal charges and then the whole Watergate thing and sentenced to federal prison as a result. Now, as he was going, before he went to prison, uh, a friend of his handed him a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. Has anyone ever read Mere Christianity? Oh, good, a couple, but just a couple. I'd say Mere Christianity is my top three books that I've ever read. I've read it several times. I have the audio format. I would, inst- I would strongly encourage you to read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Fantastic book. Anyways, Chuck, Sm- uh, Chuck oh, Smith, Chuck Colson got a copy of Mere Christianity and it changed his life. He read it and he became a Christian by reading this book. Someone handed him a book. It resulted in him becoming a Christian, and then after he got out of prison, he formed Prison Fellowship International. He quit politics altogether, and he he focused on his calling for for Jesus Christ to begin this ministry. Uh, He died in 2012, but over his lifetime, he touched thousands, if not millions, of inmates with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it all started when someone handed him a book. You know, sometimes there are events in our lives that point us a certain direction. There are things that happen that just kind of change our trajectory and point us in a different direction. Well, in today's gospel, we're going to find a couple of wise men whose trajectory was changed when they saw something. And we're going to talk about them a little bit, and then we're going to talk about you a little bit, because it's my hope that as we read this, walk through this story together, we'll find some things that will help us in our own life and a relationship to God. But let's first go to the Lord once more in prayer and just seek his blessing. Father God, we do thank you for this opportunity of worship, this time to be here, this time with your word. God, I pray that your word will speak to us today. 
I pray, Lord, that you, your word will guide our thoughts, that you'll move inside of us, Lord, and that you'll press upon us the things that you desire for us to know and to be. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want to talk about this passage, uh, the the wise men. Uh, We're just saying, we three kings. And many of you probably know a few things about this story. One is, they probably weren't three. We don't don't know that. It's possible it was three. We just don't have the number three from the scriptures. There were three gifts given and so there might have been three wise men. There were, it's plural, but that's about all we really know. And second thing, you may know that this story probably follows a good deal after the Christmas story. Now, it's kind of woven into our Christmas story. Matter of fact, almost any Christmas play is the shepherds come in, uh, you know, adoring the baby on the stage in any church. Sooner or later, the wise men are going to walk in. That's just the way we do it. This church has done it. We have some great hats that these wise men wear here. Um, any previous wise men here, by the way? Oh, Reuben's a wise Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, you got to fit into the hat here at First Christian. And if you fit into the hat, you can become a wise man. We just, we bring it into our church nativity play well mostly because well we don't have a lot of information about christmas matthew gives us something in the first two chapters luke gives us something in the first two chapters mark gives us nothing and john is so esoteric it's just kind of hard to understand what he's talking about at times so we take what we have and we put the wise men here now as i said most people believe and understand that this story the story of the wise men could have happened maybe as many as two years after the Christmas story. But we're going to talk about it here today because it's just kind of part of Christmas for us. Now, we read that the wise men came from the east. Uh, We don't know how far east. Uh, The word wise men comes from the Greek word magoi, which is where we get the word magi. And magoi comes from a Babylonian word. And so many people suspect that these people were from the area of Babylon. And there's, there's a good reason to believe that's true. We don't know that. I can't guarantee it. But likely they were from Babylon, which would have been east of Israel. Now, there's, a, there's actually a good reason to believe that they might have been there. But before we talk about that, um, it's interesting, though. It's interesting that they're even there. I mean, why are these wise men there? Why, why did they come? They're not Jewish. We don't believe that they're Jewish. They're, they're probably Gentiles. They may even be pagans serving other gods. We don't know that. But they're there. Well, there is a theory, and I'm not going to go too deep in the theory here, but about 600 years before the birth of Jesus... There's a man named Daniel, and Daniel lived in the city of Babylon, and he had a vision, and we 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 find that recorded in Daniel chapter 9. It's sometimes called the uh, 70 weeks prophecy. And and, and I'll just give you the Reader's Digest version. Now, if if you don't know what the Reader's Digest version, I'll, I'll give you the Instagram Reels version. You know, just very, very short, just very concise. It's not really drawn out, but but... Basically what Daniel said, that when the decree is issued that Israel is to go back to their homeland, because they're in Babylon, that clicks the, st- the clock, the, the stopwatch starts. And about 483 years are going to pass until Messiah the Prince comes. Now, so this is a pretty, pretty interesting prophecy. Now, my guess is that these wise men who are in the east, maybe Babylon, 
were aware of the prophecy given in their own country, maybe even had copies of it, and looked at it one day and said, hey, guys, that's about now. That's, that's happening in our lifetime. That was that long ago, and maybe this is going to happen. And one of them walked to the window looking out at the stars. Hey, there's a star in the sky. Well, that's bizarre. That's odd. I've never seen that. And so let's just follow that star. I don't, know how, I don't know how it went down, but maybe something like that. But I believe that that's probably where they came from and why they came. They were aware of this prophecy. Then they had seen this, this star. Now, I don't, I don't know if it was a real star. There are some people who have gone to great lengths to describe this star as perhaps the aligning of certain planets or, or maybe some sort of special star in the sky. And I, I don't know. It's my guess that it probably wasn't even a star. Probably a light, and lights in the sky are called stars oftentimes, so they just called it a star. But in my guess is it probably wasn't that. It was probably something supernatural, something that wasn't a star, something that God had placed there. And the reason why is because if you go out tonight and you look in the sky and you just pick a star, any star, and you begin to follow that star, it's going to take you, well, around the globe, and, and you're still not going to get any closer to it than when you started. You can't really follow stars, and yet we'll find out in this story that this star actually led them to 4th and Main in Bethlehem. I mean, right over a house. It led them right to an exact address, as if it had some sort of GPS attached to it. They were able to follow the star right to a point. That tells me, I think, that this was some sort of supernatural event not just a typical star. And I find that kind of intriguing, that these men were guided by this supernatural event. There was something that they had seen, and I believe that it was supernatural. And that makes me think a little bit about the events that maybe you and I have had in our lives. I talked earlier about Chuck Colson. A man handed him a book, kind of an ordinary event, and yet it changed the course of his life. And not just his life, but thousands, if not millions, of other people because of that, that thing. Just that, that event. Changes trajectory. Back in 1984, a young man who's standing in front of you right now was hungry for ice cream. And he was driving through Somerset one night, and he decided to swing into McDonald's to get some ice cream. It was cheap. I wasn't going to pay Dairy Queen prices for ice cream. Uh, McDonald's sort of kind of So I swung in. It was late at night. I get out of my car. I'm walking across the parking lot, and I bump into a guy that I had only met once. And we just started talking. He was a musician, like I was. And we started to talk, and he invited me to come and jam with him, and so on and so forth. That ice cream trip changed my life. It changed the trajectory of my life. See, that young man was a Christian. And as I started to hang out with him, I, I just became more and more in love with Jesus and drawn to him. And soon just, it became clear to me that my life's calling was now different. I wanted to pursue Jesus more closely. A simple little ice cream trick, you know. Now sometimes, though, there are trajectories, there are things that happen in our lives that just, this kind of changes. And, and the question that I have for you, because I said we're going to talk about you, the question I have for you of what events have altered your life's trajectory? 
Now, you all have them. They're all, they're all things that you, I know you could name of things, simple little things, things you never thought twice about, and you did it, you chose it, you went this way, and it's just changed everything for you. There are many things like that. But sometimes those events in our lives, sometimes those things that come our way that change our course are not always welcomed events. Sometimes we don't want them. The loss of a job, for example, can just change the direction of our lives. The loss of a family member can change the directions of our lives. The loss of a marriage can change that. A sudden illness or disease or, or an onset of some physical problem that we never anticipated, we never went looking for, we never asked for, suddenly befell us and suddenly now everything is different. We're going a completely different direction. We're moving a different direction that we had never anticipated. I know that you all have experienced it. And if, we've, if we had the time, we could go around here, and I'm sure there are lots and lots of stories of just that. But sometimes I think those little, not little, but those events that happen in our lives, we don't always see them as shining stars in the night. You know, We don't see them as, oh, this is intriguing. I think I'll follow it. Sometimes it's almost drudgery. Oh, I've got to go this way. But you know, I, I think if we changed our perspective somewhat, we might be able to change our course a lot. You know, the, the wise men were following this star, and I think behind this star, behind this light drawing them, was God saying, come here. I want to show you something. Follow me. I, I've got something over here I want to show you. Now think about those changes in your life. Those, those, those path-altering changes where suddenly everything moves a different direction. What if that's God saying, come here. I want to show you something. There's something over here. I, I want you to see something. And if you keep going that direction, you're, you're going to miss it. So I need you to come over here and see it. I think if maybe we begin to look at those life-altering trajectory changes in our lives as a bid from God, as, as, as a, a welcoming bid, come here, it might change our attitude. That God is redirecting us, wanting us, wanting us to follow him because he has something to show them, us. He certainly had something to show the wise men. And so I think we need to really kind of think about those events that happen. Maybe, just maybe, they're shining stars in the night. Possibly, you know, possibly. So the, the wise men are following the star. Now, it, it seems as if they, they might have lost it. We're not really sure. It doesn't say that, but it does say it appeared to them again. So it's kind of reasonable to assume that maybe they kind of lost the, the, the sight of the star there for a while. And so they're nearing Jerusalem. Well, they're in luck because Jerusalem is the, 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 the capital of Israel, and they know this prophecy is about Israel. So that's a good thing. It's the capital plus it's the epicenter of jewelry. I mean, this is where the Jewish faith resides, Jerusalem. 
And they're probably thinking, well, let's just walk into Jerusalem and ask somebody. Everybody must know about this event. It must be on everyone's lips. Everyone's talking about this. So let's go in and ask. Well, let's go to the king. Surely he knows. And so they go in to talk to King Herod. They go in to ask King Herod. Now, King Herod, as you probably know, isn't a nice guy. He's, he's really not a nice guy. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty bad, actually. This is not the same King Herod that uh, decapitates John the Baptist later. It's a different King Herod. They're just as bad. I mean, they just kind of uh, they come out of the same mold, it seems like. This guy is just as bad. He's not Jewish, by the way. He's an Edomite, and he has no love for the Jews, and they certainly have no love for him. He's been appointed the king here. So they come up to him and they say, King Herod, hey, we've been following this star. We heard that there's this, there's this Messiah coming, a king. And, and where is he? Where is he going to be born? Now, King Herod hasn't a clue. He doesn't know that answer. So he calls his counselors, those around him who are Jewish. And he asks them the question, you know, hey, where, where is this child going to be born? Where is this Messiah coming from? It doesn't say I, that they looked it up, probably because they knew it by heart. They knew that, and they said, oh, it's Bethlehem. Absolutely, not a doubt, Bethlehem. You know, this is an interesting thing. These wise men come to Jerusalem following this change of events in their lives, this star that they had never seen before, and they follow it, and they come here, and now they're confronted with the word of God. And I think the word of God is really what makes the difference in our life. You see, it's not just the event that takes us someplace. Your life might have been altered by something that happened. Maybe it was a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one. Maybe it was the loss of health or something is altered. But that in itself will not change you. It might just lead you a direction. What will change you is the word of God. What will affect you is God's own personal direction. And that's what they found in Jerusalem. They opened the scriptures and they read to them the word of God. And that specific revelation is what gave them what they needed. The word of God. That's why we preach from the word of God here in this church. Every single word, every single week. Because we believe that the word of God changes people. The word of God is quick and powerful and it can reach into people's lives and it can alter their course and it gives us specific revelation about us. It tells us exactly what we need to know. It's not just the event that brings you here. It's not just the journey. Everyone's on a journey, but it doesn't take them to the same spot. It's the Word of God. It's God speaking, and it's His Spirit speaking to us that will change us. And that, and that alone. This story would be nothing if it wasn't the Word of God. They opened the scriptures and they read to him the sacred word of God. Brothers and sisters, I can't encourage you enough to fall in love with God's word, to read it, to memorize it, to love it, to love the word of God, to find the words of Jesus, to read them and digest them and keep them close to your heart, to know them, because those ultimately will change you. 
It's the word of God. And I love this part of this story. They come to Jerusalem and they meet those who can share with them God's word. Now, you know the story here. Herod says, oh, okay, um, it's Bethlehem. Hey, when you, when you find out where he is, come back and tell me because I want to worship him too. Of course, that's a lie. He has no intent on worshiping the Messiah. So the wise men, now they know it's Bethlehem, which is located about six miles south of Jerusalem. They leave the city of Jerusalem. They're going to Bethlehem. And suddenly the star appears again, or whatever this supernatural event is, and it takes them right to the house. They go right to the very place that the, the, the Christ is. Now, in, 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 interesting, it does say the house. They're no longer in the manger here. This is no longer that night where they were laid Jesus in a feeding trough. Apparently, they had moved into a house. And we also know that Jesus is a child now, not a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, so probably a little bit older. It sounds like, we don't know for sure, but it sounds like Mary and Joseph have settled down a little bit in Bethlehem, bought a house, and, and, and have just you know, started to raise their child in this, this little village of, of Bethlehem. Until one day, these three wise guys show up. And they knock on the door and they say, hey, this star led us here. And they come bearing their gifts. Gifts that are rather strange. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for the death. It's obvious these men had a lot of insight, more insight than a lot of the people around Jesus had. Now they spend a little time, it seems, with this family and they, they've come to worship, and I love that. that just, that's it, that's all. They've just come to worship. They're not asking any favors. They're not looking for any kind of special privileges. They've just come to worship. We just want to come and say, this is great. We love you. And I love the simplicity of this trip. Jesus once said that the pure in heart will see God. And it seems that these men have hearts that are pure, wanting nothing else but to pay homage, to present these gifts, and to honor him. I just want to honor you, and we'll leave. And I just love that. Now, as they were preparing to leave, we read in the scriptures that God warned them, don't go back to Herod. He's a creep, man. You know, just don't, don't go back to Herod. And we read that they went another way. The NIV, I believe, says a different route. And this is the part that I, I really like. I really like it because it reminds me that when we do come to Jesus... Whatever route that it is that brings us, whatever road or whatever, whatever light in the, star, the sky that has brought us to him, we can never leave the same way. We are forever changed by his presence and his power. And we can't go back the same route. You, you can't come to Jesus and experience life from him. You can't experience the fullness of who he is. You can't experience him and then go back to where you were. It can't happen. I told you about that young man in 1984 who stopped for ice cream, met that other man, and his life changed. That young man, me, I was playing in a rock and roll band. Within two weeks, I quit the band. I, I, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that. I'm going a different way. I want to go a different route. It's not that anymore. I don't want that anymore. 
When we encounter a living God, when we genuinely encounter a living God, our life changes. And we can't go back the same route. We need another way. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in this little family who hasn't been born yet, James would much later write, if a man says he loves God but hates his neighbor, he's a liar. Because you can't do it. You can't say, I love God and hate this person over here. Why? Because then you don't love God. Your life has not been changed. You see, you're still going back the same way. You're going back to where you were. Meeting Jesus, encountering a living God means nothing will be the same anymore. And we go back a different way. You know, if you're looking at your life, you feel, well, I've encountered God and nothing's changed, then maybe we should talk about that. Because I'm not so sure that meeting was genuine. Because we can't meet him and go back to our sins. We can't meet him and go back the, the same way. We, we, we can't just encounter the living, powerful God of all the ages and shrug her short and say, that was nice, now I'm going back to what I was doing. We can't. And this story of the wise men going another way just reminds me that encountering a living, powerful God demands a change that we must take another way. So let's talk about you once more. How has your life changed since encountering a living God? How has it been altered? In some people's lives, it's, I mean, it's like that. You know, it just happens overnight. Everything just seems to change from black to white. And I mean, it just instantly, it just, it just flip-flops. But some people, it's gradual. And that's okay, too. If you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, stop today and look back. Is your life different than a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? If you've just been walking with the Lord for a little bit, is your life different today than it was yesterday? If you can say, yes, my life is different then something is working. And I believe that something is a someone and he's the Holy Spirit. That he's working in your life. But if you look back, you take an evaluation, you take an inventory of your life and you realize nothing has changed, then I'm going to suggest to you that nothing has changed. That encounter with him, wow, something's wrong there. Something we need to fix. I'll invite the, the praise band to come up. And, you know, I want to pray with you. And if you need prayer, if you're evaluating your life and you say that there is something indeed missing, then I want you to come up after the service is over and we'll just talk about it. We can just pray about it. Because you have to go home another way. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks once again for your presence and your power, for your word which changes us. I pray for your blessing now upon this congregation, Lord. Every heart, old or young, that has gathered here today. Oh, Lord, walk with them. 
Continue with them, Lord, reminding them of your love for them, your care, your concern, and your ways. I pray this now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.